listening, guys. Welcome back. This is the Man with the Plan podcast episode 67. What a night we had. Guys, before we start, I want to thank you for over 4,000 listeners on the show. We have listeners all across the country, all across the world. It's unreal. It's insane. I keep stressing this. I can't stress this enough. Thank you guys so much for all the support you continue to give me, the show. It's an incredible community that we've built. It's an incredible, just Oh, I just can't describe it. It's just awesome. But we have some things to talk about. Today we're going to talk about the national championship. And Tuesday morning as you're listening to this, you're having to process what you just watched. That was probably the greatest national championship I've watched in a long time. It had a lot of things that you want in that kind of game. It has speed, power, focus, presentation, star players, underdog stories, so much went into that game. So the since the 2016 National Championship where Clemson beat Alabama, I think that and then the first matchup between Alabama and Georgia and then obviously tonight were some of the best in terms of games because I know Clemson fans are going, well, Grayson, what about 2018? I love that to death. But in the end, grand scheme of things, it wasn't a great game in terms of competitiveness, down to the wire, stories, just stuff like that. So Georgia... Congratulations, you're the 2021 national champions, and they earned it all year. We heard about this dominant Georgia defense that started out that gave Clemson Fitz the pick six with DJ Uyunga-Gale. Just a crazy sequence of events. Georgia goes on to win a lot of, they they won 12 games, they went to the SEC championship and got their big slice of humble pie and went on a mission, defeating Michigan in the playoff and now taking down Alabama. It was quite the matchup, and for a long time, it was a slugfest. Both of them were trying to figure each other out. You had Bryce Young, who, in the end, a lot of people are going to point out that the loss of his top receivers in John Mechie and Jamison Williams played a huge factor into this, but when you not only lose your top receivers but have struggles with your offensive line, struggling to be able to contain pressure from players like Nolan Smith, Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, it's tough to be able to sustain an offense, keep it going. In the Cincinnati semifinal, they were able to run the ball efficiently, and Bryce Young wasn't asked to do much except for a really nice touchdown throw in the third quarter. So you had to really put it on the shoulders of Bryce Young, who threw over 55 passes. I think he was 35 for 57 for about 268, I want to say, a touchdown and a pick. It was a game that was a major slugfest. They were fighting, there were punches thrown. There were shots. I mean, you had the fumble with Stetson Bennett. You had the touchdown. In the fourth quarter, this was truly a fireworks show. Everything came together. You were glued to the TV. That's what I love about football, especially in these final games. You're glued to the screen. You want to know what happens next. You don't want to go on your phone to check your texts, your group me notifications, or Twitter. You want to figure out how this game ends. And being at 6-9, to nine, then you go 9-6, to six, then you go to... Uh, 13 to 12, and it was Georgia's identity, what they built all year. Finally, the national media, the national stage, that audience that tunes in every January, they finally got to see what we've been saying all year about Georgia, dominant defense. Their offense picks it up when they can, but this is a defense that dominates with speed, force, and just, and then on the offense, they're able to use their run game to complement what they build on defense. And that finally came to fruition with this dominant national championship. 
not not dominant, but it was the final score would make it look like Georgia was up the entire time. This was not the case. It was a fireworks show in the fourth quarter. Stetson Bennett had the most of his opportunities, and let's just talk about Stetson Bennett for a second. What a story. In the national championship, you love having guys like Hunter Renfro, uh, freshman Trevor Lawrence coming in, Joe Burrow having a rebound, uh, Tua and Jalen Hurts flip-flopping and having Tua come in and make the big play to win the national championship. Stetson Bennett etches his name into history, and it almost looked like it was going to be the other way with the fumble where he is escaping pressure from Will Anderson, who all night was just a game record. Bama's defensive line was doing a great job of keeping them in this game, keeping Georgia contained. They really weren't able to run the ball efficiently until about late in the third and the fourth quarter. This was a game where you had to really wait to pull your punches. We had to wait to have that final uppercut. This was a game with everything. And I stress that, everything. It was an entertaining fist fight. And about Georgia, about the seventh or eighth round, got that knockout. It was didn't look back from there. You had, um, and I just want to go back to Ben and I, like I literally just said that, but uh, just the comeback kid wasn't even on the starting wasn't even the starting quarterback going into the Clemson game. JT Daniels was the guy. He was the guy Georgia fans have wanted to see. He gets hurt, and yet again, Bennett comes in. He did this in 2020. Jamie Newman transfers. JT Daniels hurt, comes in. Stetson Bennett is the guy, he's the mailman, the game manager, comes in, makes good plays, doesn't lose it for you, but everybody was waiting for JT Daniels to get his job back, but Kirby Smart and this Georgia faithful believed in Stetson Bennett, and Stetson Bennett, props to him for taking the, making the most of his opportunity, winning a national championship as a former JUCO transfer and a walk-on, I mean, literally, this is what the uh, last chance you preaches on their show, Stetson Bennett's like their poster child for that kind of stuff. It is a great story and a great moment. So even if you don't like Georgia, you can appreciate the story of what Stenson Bennett built. He was emotional after the pick, crying with his teammates, giving everybody a hug or a high five. You, Even though you're probably like, oh, I would just wish Clemson was in it, or oh, I wish Cincinnati had their chance, you got to be happy for Bennett and all that hard work that he's put in. It's paid off. Georgia's built a culture. Kirby Smart. For all the things that I said, and of course this is the year that I start the show, and I say that Kirby Smart needs a sense of urgency, I wonder if I can find that clip. Well, I might. Who knows? But uh, I said that this was the year. Georgia needed to find that sense of urgency, or we could start to be looking at Kirby Smart as Mark Rick 2.0. And Georgia makes me look like a fool. We bring on Lynn Vietri. So, Miss Lynn, if you're listening, congratulations about Georgia. Congratulations to your family. I know this has been a long time coming for you guys, but... uh, and if you guys don't know who she is, I've done super fan segments with her. She comes on and brings a great energy and always defended her Bulldogs no matter what. And so it finally is great to see one of our podcast guests reap the benefits of their patience. Overall, a great night um, for Alabama. It's just back to the drawing board. They're going to be back again in the playoff next year. I have no doubt about it. Nick Saban, Bryce Young. But the thing about Bryce Young is that he'll remember this. He'll take this to heart and work all offseason. He's such a well-natured kid. Such a great guy. Great quarterback, too. Heisman Trophy winner. That certainly isn't a fluke. Having your top two receivers out hurts, but I think Bryce Young will learn from this, be able to correct some of those mistakes. It'll be all good. And for Georgia, congratulations on winning the 2021 National Championship. And guys, when I return, we will talk some NFL. Brian Flores getting fired. Uh, week 18 at Chargers Raiders Insanity. This was the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 67. We will be right back.
back. This is the Name of the Plan podcast, episode 67. Okay, at the time of this recording, we're about three hours away from the national championship, and I thought, I don't want to stay up till 2 a.m. to make this stuff, because I am just invested in this new TV show. I've been watching the Boba Fett stuff. There's a lot of stuff that I want to catch up on before school starts, so I wanted to get ahead on the show and the editing process. So we're going to do... This is going to be the second segment of the show. We're going to talk NFL Week 18, Brian Flores, the crazy firing, and maybe we'll preview the wild cards. I'm thinking I'm doing a later episode this week to preview all the matchups. So much good stuff ahead. And as for tonight, I'm going to be a little bit of a psychic, and I'm going to tell you guys what I think. So Georgia, Alabama, and I'm just going to do it real quick because I'm going to probably do a whole 15-minute reaction to what happens I think Georgia's going to come in with a passion, and I think it's going to go very similar to last time, just be very close. I think uh, Alabama takes it 38-34. to 34. I think Georgia's offense comes to play, but I think in the end, Nick Saban's experience will trump all. And as we go into the NFL, so you wake up in the Black Monday, as they call it. You have coaches getting fired, teams moving on. Some names we expected, Mike Zimmer, Matt Nagy from the Bears, Vic Fangio was already fired earlier. We expected Joe Judge in a way because of what happened onside kicks in your own four. It, it was really a mess. <laughs> but what we found out this morning is that Brian Flores, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, who I may remind you guys has the 10th highest winning percentage as a head coach since he's entered the Miami Dolphins job. And he was fired. And a lot of people, including myself, are trying to figure out why or how. And I think for Brian Flores, there has to be something going on behind the scenes. Because with the roster that he has, the way it was constructed, the quarterback that he wanted with Tua, I don't think Tua was Brian Flores' guy. I think it was the GM. I think it was more or less, and I, I watched a couple guys talk about it. It was a power struggle between him and the GM, who they wanted, who Brian Flores wanted. So at the end, the Dolphins decided to go with GM. Horrible. I think that it is the, it is pretty, uh, I just don't know how to really, I don't want to be like, oh, this is stupid, this is, they're dumb, or something like that, because you're trying to find the words that's not like inappropriate or something for that, but Brian Flores is a heck of a coach. He's back-to-back winning seasons, 10-6, and six, and now 9-8. and eight. They started off 1-7, and seven, you might point out, but Tua was injured, they had a lot of things that they needed to work out with the roster. They went on a seven-game win streak and ended up beating New England twice, which is something they rarely have done in the last 20 years. So they've been playing spoiler to Belichick, who's led his, led his team back to the playoffs and arguably had one of his best coaching seasons of all time. And the Dolphins with Flores are still able to give him fits. Two teams come to mind with Flores. And he, like Mike Zimmer, are two coaches that I think are going to be prime coaching candidates in this new carousel. You look around the league, and two teams come to mind with me. The excitement of what just happened on Sunday with Jacksonville will carry a lot of momentum into the offseason. Trevor Lawrence looked like the number one pick that we all had seen and had been advertised as. I think Jacksonville's a a prime spot to stay in Florida, be able to stay in that environment, be able to stay in that geological area. Florida's a nice place. Another place that would uh, come to mind, which I heard earlier, was Las Vegas. And we'll get into the game later tonight, or later in this episode, but that game last night was unreal, insane, mind-blowing, mind-boggling. And I think the Raiders have a lot of right pieces after everything that's happened. Derek Carr still can play. 
They have a really talented roster, and after everything that's happened this year, you th- think that the Raiders, they could potentially make a run in the playoffs. They have the right matchup with Cincinnati. I think that that's a really good job. If the Raiders are willing to do an extensive search and be able to tag someone like Flores who can establish a culture, keep it all together, and be able to bring players in. When Flores went to New England, or Flores went to Miami, a lot of players from New England, Kyle Van Noy, Adam Butler, shipped down. They're really excited about what Flores was going to do and bring to that Dolphins organization. And he did a lot of good things there in Miami. Very shocked about this interesting fire. I think that it's one of those, I think every year you get a surprise fire and it ends up being a blessing in disguise for the coach because he can definitely do better than Miami. If they're going to be continue to wanting to be dysfunctional, continue to run it the way they want to run it, I think Flores is much better off for getting out of town and finding a place like Jacksonville, hoping to start a new direction. I mean, I was talking to JEM Live Jackson earlier. I said Brian, Bill O'Brien is their OC. Bill, Brian Flores is the two Bryans as the head coach. You have Flores running the show and Bill O'Brien running the offense. And then you have Flores who can focus on the defense and get everything together. Jacksonville could be really good. Okay, let's now let's address the elephant in the room. That Chargers and Raiders matchup on Sunday night. Holy bleep. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. What a game. That was the craziest thing that I've ever watched since Rams Chiefs in 2018 where they had to move the dates around. They had the firefighters come. 54-51. to 51. This had everything you wanted. In a Sunday night football, this is what the NFL wanted. Everybody's tuning in. You have the Chargers who make a crazy comeback. Justin Herbert proves why he's going to be a great quarterback in this league for a long time. They had a like almost 20-plus play drive where Herbert was making fourth down, third down throws. Repeatedly, they put the ball in his hands, and he played up to that number six draft pick where he was picked to be the Chargers' savior. It's not, it didn't go their way, but there's a lot to be happy about if you're a Chargers fan. He led that drive. Those receivers and linemen were getting beat. Those linemen were getting beat by Crosby in that new Raiders D-line, Yannick Ngagwe, Max Crosby. There was a lot to be happy about. And I know you're going to say, well, he, and I mean he being Brandon Staley, called the worst timeout in NFL history. But you have Herbert. You have a future. You have an outlook. I know it's not a good look for Staley to call that kind of timeout, especially when the Raiders were more than willing to take the tie. It would have been hilariously just the situation... The situational comedy with this is that you have two teams who could have easily just made the game pointless because at that point, Jacksonville beat Indy and they could have just tied it up and been on their merry way to the playoffs. And I like that they just didn't do that, but at the end overtime, they traded field goals and they had an opportunity to kind of just say, hey, do you want to tie? I mean, I want to tie. So the Raiders were running out of the football. The clock was ticking and the timeout was called with 30 seconds left. I mean, the Raiders were ready to just run the ball again and uh, go back to the locker and say hey we made the playoffs let's go but it did not end that way and then you can see the uh, the you can read the lips of the players were you going for the tie yeah i think so oh man crap so there's a lot of uh comedic situations with the uh sunday night game a lot of cool stuff you got to see the raiders get in the playoffs a lot of uh i don't mean to uh shout them out but clemson receivers mike williams had a huge game Coming up with a game-winning touchdown, Hunter Renfro had two himself, got called the route god on the uh, NFL Twitter. A lot of cool stuff that happened. Great moment for Derek Carr, who gets his final, uh, he gets his first 
opportunity after leading that team, having that MVP caliber season, didn't get to play in the playoffs. He didn't get a chance to do so. Now he gets that chance. He led the game-winning drive. Uh, Josh Jacobs had a redemption where he's been kind of in question in that organization. Is he the guy? Is he the first-round pick that we wanted to draft? A lot of really redemption. They did it for John Madden, who may he rest in peace. After a season with Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, all this stuff with like DUIs, emails, controversy, deaths. The Raiders, it seems like a movie, it seems dramatic, but they were able to get it done. And it's unbelievable how they were able to process it, put it all together. I think that the interim head coach, Rick Passaccia, deserves some Coach of the Year awards. And I think Derek Carr deserves a little bit of noise in the MVP discussion. He shouldn't win it because I think it should be Burrow or Rodgers, but I think he should be definitely in the discussion. Like I said about Burrow, the impact that Carr's been able to have, that stability, that confidence, that leadership, it matters, especially in years like this when the team goes up and down like a roller coaster. It's ridiculous. No team should have to go through that, but the Raiders did. It was almost like five or ten years worth of controversy laid into one year, and it was not even just like a span of a year. It was like a three-month period where everything, it seemed like every single day, something was happening. So congratulations to the Raiders. They got a great matchup in the first round. I really like them. I think we're going to do a dedicated wild card episode later this week. But guys, I just wanted to cover some quick topics. Tonight, the national championship is here. I'm super excited about it. I hope you guys enjoy the game. If you're a Bama fan or a Georgia fan, Saban gets his extra title. Georgia gets their first one since 1980. So much exciting stuff to happen. We'll break it down at the start of the show, but you'll already have listened to that. As the show concludes, guys, thank you so much for listening. This was the Mammoth Plan Podcast, episode 67. Stay safe, take care, prepare for some great content coming to this podcast very soon, and stay safe. Have a great week, guys.